listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast with your host, Timothy Lambert-Monk. Yes, we welcome you in to another episode of the Full 10 Yards Podcast. I hope you are all doing very well. Thank you all so much for listening, each and every one of you. Week 14 is in the books. Week 1 of the Fantasy Playoffs is all done. And Lee, were you involved in any Fantasy Playoff games this week? Um, the, the only league that I've made the playoffs in isn't actually at the playoffs yet. Oh. And it starts this week. Oh, I see. And are, um, are you in the in our Dynasty League, I've not made the playoffs in that. And then... Um, yeah, just the one that I've made out of my four leagues, which is a bit disappointing showing for me. Mm. Um, to be but, you know, it's one of those things, isn't it? You know, injuries and luck and things like that take a toll. And Yeah, but we'll come back stronger next year. Yes, is it? Well, I'd say at this point in the season, if you've got handcuffs of, of players like we told people to do waiver wires uh, over the last couple of weeks, and you know if you're if you're a Justin Jackson owner or a Jalen Samuels owner, uh, you look you're looking looking pretty good, and a Spencer Ware owner as well, to be honest. Um, yeah, it's a, a lot of luck at this this point in the season because you know each game now, obviously, if you lose, you're out, uh, and it's a bit a bit of sweet pill because um, say we're towards the end of the season now, towards the end of regular season, and it's uh, it's December, it's uh, big time, big big boy football now. Mm, yeah, exactly. I think um, in the group chat of one of my leagues, um, I've been berated because I've made the playoffs with like an almost 500 record. I think I'm one game over 500. Mm. Um, and I did that in the past in this league and then made the, the Super Bowl of the, you know, like the final of the league. Yeah. And I'm, get, I'm building up this reputation now for being this like limping in and then you know making it to the big game. And I just posted a message saying the postseason is the real season. That was it. That yeah, was my contribution. It. Yeah, big boy football, big boy football. Uh, yeah, there's quite quite a lot of leagues actually this year. I made the playoffs with a with a 500 record, and some are even worse, like six and seven. But um, I think that's just more of a, if it's competitively, everyone's beating everyone. You know, you just got you, all you got to do at the end of the, at the end of the day, Lee, is is get to the play, the postseason and then and then go from there. As long as you've got a team set up for then. Uh, sky, sky's the limit, but yeah, I'm through to a couple of. of I'm, I'm in so many leagues; it'd be uh, a travesty if I didn't get through to. <laughs> if I didn't get through at least some, yeah, um, but yeah. So yeah, we move on to week 15, uh, but we're here to, of course, to re- recap all the week 14 games. What a wild week in the NFL! Loads of crazy games, loads of storylines, and we will recap all of those for you. Great show ahead of us today. Of course, it's Tuesday, so we have the usual Tuesday segments. We have the, the full ten, full ten questions uh, this week. Is uh, obviously the uh, the non-podcast last week we were unable to to get obviously get that out but uh, we have uh, Andrew from the American Football Podcast on us today to put his NFL knowledge to the test and I know everyone out there you also play along at home if you want to get involved and want to come onto the show and do that get in touch with us at full 10 yards you know what to do by now but of course we have Jason Garrett Corner loads of contenders today for that one so it'd be interesting to see what you've got there Lee lined up for us uh, mm. Some stinkers and stonkers from the last week, and uh, of course, uh, look ahead to the AFC West Slobberknocker on Thursday night football between the Kansas City Chiefs and they host the LA Chargers. Obviously, one that you will be looking forward to, Lee, no doubt. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, a couple of bits looking of. Looking forward to the right turn of phrase, to be honest with you. Well, yeah, well, you never know. You never know. Um, bit of news to get out of the way before we get into the week 14 games. Uh, Vikings uh, offensive coordinator John D. Filippo, obviously the. Former Eagles winning, Super Bowl winning, uh, one of the backroom staff there from last year has been fired uh, after their dismal display on Monday Night Football. Obviously having a, I think they were shut out until like the last minute of the game, weren't they, over in uh, Seattle. But uh, we'll get to that in due course. 
Uh, but yeah, Lee, really enjoyed this week. Uh, this week's set of games, a lot of um, a lot of things taking shape now in terms of you know coaches and who's probably going to go. But also the wild card position. I think the five seeds pretty much locked in now in both the AFC and the NFC. And uh, as as always, a good uh, a hot race in both div- in both conferences now to get the sixth seed. Yeah, definitely. Both both races are wide open, really, aren't they? With how it's all shaken out, yeah. and um, it's you know before the season we also talked about how like the AFC was. You know, by far the weaker conference, but it's actually been a really entertaining conference for the whole year. Mm. And you know, as things stand, it's it's got um, like I say, a really open race with I think you know three, maybe four teams that six seed, as you say. Mm. And then it's the same over in the, the NFC as well. Yeah, yeah, plenty of teams, and say a lot of. Uh... A lot of teams facing off against each other as well. So a lot of good football. Like I say, it's December football. Uh, probably the best type of football you can get in the NFL, apart from obviously the playoffs. But yeah, a lot of lot of games to look forward to. But let's recap last week, Lee. Uh, let's start off with uh, Game of the Week. New York Jets at Buffalo, where uh, Josh Allen, I'll I, I tell you what, for, for all the, the stick we gave him earlier in the season in the draft and saying that he can't make it, he's, he's doing a hell of a job. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Adam and myself was saying, you know, pretty similar to that on Friday evening. Yeah, he's making the Bills watchable, as Adam said, and uh, it's, it's nice to see, actually. Um, I, you know, I'm not closed off just like yourself. I'm not closed off to thinking that Josh Allen, you know, is good. If he actually becomes good, I just didn't think he would become good. You know, really. so it's more than a year that you have to make to make that decision, make that judgment. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's a long road yet, but yeah, he's looking entertaining at least, let's say. Uh, which is what this game was, to be honest with you. you know, on, on paper, this didn't look like a great game. It's actually surprisingly fun to watch, um, you know, for a game between two sort of basement battlers. Um, the Jets eked it out. Not really sure how. Uh, the Bills look better for the most part. I thought. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. Uh, but this was mainly centred around the two QBs, two rookie QBs, and we got the four-four catalogue from both of them. We had Allen, obviously, like we said, with his long scramble, some nice throws, and then some not so nice throws as well. Where he puts a bit too much trust in his arm, and it leads to interceptions as it did on one occasion. Where he's just trying to fit things in because he's got this cannon. He doesn't really sort of take everything into account. And then on the other side, you got Donald obviously throwing a couple of pitch perfect throws, um, one to Robbie Anderson, which had the game winner, and then some improvisational plays, like that made him like a young Brett Favre at times. Mm. Because that one isn't where he goes to one side, comes back to the other, and then throws a strike. Yep. It's just, you know, that looks brilliant, but he needs to have sort of the, the fundamentals in place. Mm. It's crazy plays like that, I feel like, which make him look like. He could be fantastic, or he could be like a Jameis Winston type. Yeah. With like flat as quite a lot. Uh, it's going to be fun um, to see these guys sort of play a couple of times each year and see them sort of grow up together. Mm. Um, and then just one nice stat that I had just from this game um, Tremaine Edmonds at 20 years, seven months, and seven days became the youngest player to have an interception in league history, which I thought mm. was quite, quite, quite. I don't know, I was quite surprised by it really. A by his age, I knew he was young, but, yeah. you know, and then. But no one else has done it beforehand, especially if, you know, he's a linebacker as well, which is obviously another little wrinkle to that one as well. Mm. Yeah, a couple of, um, obviously the Josh Allen um, comparisons. He actually broke one of Michael Vick's old records, most rush, most rush yards in a, by a QB in a three-game span. He's got 335 rush yards uh, over the three games. Michael Vick's record was 294. But mm. It just shows you for fantasy as well. He had, obviously didn't throw. He had a rushing touchdown, but he didn't have a, a throwing touchdown. I think he threw two interceptions uh, as well, but he still ended up the quarterback six on the week. So it just shows mm. you, obviously, the... Uh, the skew towards rushing QBs. I think it was, yeah, Josh Allen threw zero touchdowns, two interceptions, lost a fumble and finishing as QB6. So, yeah, a bit of a stranger on that. But 
if he if he picks up his passing, he's going to become really fantasy relevant, like super fantasy relevant. Yeah. It's going to be like you know, uh, I don't know. I mean, these are the comparisons that we've had of Cam Newton, isn't it? That you probably alluded to that are getting a bit ridiculous, but he's going to become at least that comparable in fantasy because of like his rushing ability, that is legit ability. You know, he's a superb athlete. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I say, he's, he's, when he when he runs, he's. Uh, he's He's outpacing most of the other people on the defense. So he's uh, pretty pretty decent with his legs there. So yeah, that's the the fantasy on the, on the fantasy side of it. That's always what what you kind of want. That's why everyone kind of drafted Lamar Jackson way early in redraft. And you know, kind of Josh Allen is the quarterback. Everyone everyone wants Lamar Jackson to be, to be quite honest. But um, yeah, it's a bit strange how that one's kind of worked out. But these two teams, obviously, not. Uh, they're not, I don't think the Jets can make their playoffs. I know there's quite a lot of team. They're not. They're, st- they're still within reach mathematically, but I think they're still they're still they're dead because of the order teams in yeah. front of them. But um, yeah, it'd be like say interesting to see how these Q- two Q- QBs go through the years and, and, and you know how they evolve and how they do for these respective teams. Obviously, they're in the rebuild stage. Uh, they're not going to be troubling anyone anytime soon. But it'd be interesting to see over the next couple of years how that kind of develops. Um, talking. Talking of developing, Baker Mayfield led the Browns to a 26-20 win over the Carolina Panthers. Carolina now on a, I think, uh, four, five, four, four games, five games or something stupid. I think they were six and three or something, weren't they? A couple of, couple of weeks back, but uh, Cleveland winning for the consecutive home games for the first time since 2014. A lot of uh, records went in this game for some reason. I think it's just because Cleveland uh, have been so bad over the last couple of years. But the Cleveland Browns not allowed a sack for four straight games, trying to do an Indianapolis Colts impression. Uh, and uh, Nick Chubb, the first Browns player to rush for a, t- a touchdown in five straight games. And Baker Mayfield, the third QB in a Super Bowl era to throw at least one touchdown pass in each of his first 10 career starts. Um, so, yeah, Cleveland, good, good game this one, actually. Uh, Carolina looks like they were they were going to come away with a victory, but uh, some absolute dimes from, from Baker Mayfield, especially the one to Jarvis Landry. I mean, that was a great throw. Um, absolute dimes, 60 yards or something, something ridiculous, uh, right in the, through the eye of a needle. Uh, but the Browns, the only team in the AFC North is that, that won this week, where it's usually the other way around. Yeah, man, the Browns are good. Um, they're about to be really good, I think. Uh, I watched this game from start to finish, and I was just entertained the whole time. It was a really entertaining game. Mayfield played really well, like you say. That that one um, throw to Landry that you're talking about in the first half like, made me actually go, oh my God, what a throw. Um, as I was you know, watching it, <laughs> my girlfriend had to tell me to be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was it was it was one of those throws that was really eye catching. Um, and yeah, the Panthers just got it stuck in reverse gear, aren't they? You know, they had the the fifty probably locked up. Yeah, uh, six and two. You know, you can have you know you can coast at that point almost, and you know have a kind of at least if you have a mediocre second half of the season, you'll you'll make the playoffs. Mm. You know, you've just got to win three three games, let's say, for yeah. argument's sake, and yeah, you're yeah. in. Yeah. And they've just imploded. Um, and I can see there have been changes afoot in Carolina, to be honest with you, um, talking head coaching and yeah. coordinators, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I see they've lost. So when they were week nine, the week 10 lost to Pittsburgh. Obviously, they got that whooping. They've not really recovered from that. They lost to Detroit uh, by a point, uh, lost to Seattle, lost to Tampa, and lost to Cleveland. So. Games you kind of expect them to at least win a couple of those, especially Tampa Bay. But you know Detroit haven't been great this 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 year. Um, but yeah, shocking shocking stuff now. And obviously the the, the last three uh, games they've got are all in FC South. We've got the New Orleans Saints twice, so they'll struggle to win one of those. Uh, and they're home to Atlanta, which they should win. But the damage has been done now. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, no, I think they're 
No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think they're just stuck in reverse gear, as I say. And yeah, they've got to play the Saints twice. And the Falcons, although, yeah, they're not on a great one either. But it's definitely a tough game, divisional game, mm. pride on the line, even though you know, neither of them might be out. They'll both might be out of the playoffs by that point. Yeah. Pride will be on the line. Mm. And yeah, they could end the, the season on a, you know, eight, nine game losing streak, and no one's keeping their job after that. Mm. Yeah, I've got a couple of questions on this game as well. You said you watched it from start to finish. So. The big fourth down, the fourth and goal that Carolina went for and obviously didn't get. Um, I think they were down six when they or something uh, deep deep in the fourth quarter. But they obviously turned the ball over to the Cleveland Browns. They ended up getting the ball back. So my question to you was: Was it not worth trying to go for the field goal there and get to you know, make it a field goal game uh, to, to put it within three? Because they still they got the ball back. So you know if they didn't get the ball back and there was only like uh, ten seconds or, or something something left, then fair enough. But there, there was enough time there because obviously they got the ball back as well. So why not? Why not kick a field goal? Yeah, it'll kind of split opinion. This, I guess, um, there was enough time to get the ball back, and they they truly did. Um, it depends on. I kind of the one thing that springs to mind with me, and like I said, I think this will split opinion. Some people say, yeah, kick the goal, play good D, get it back, and then you know kick another goal and tie it up, or you know I'll win it with a touchdown sort of thing. And then some people say no goal from juggler. But what I think is. I think it comes down to respect. I think Carolina went into the game perhaps thinking they'll knock off the Browns, they'll win. So they were thinking, oh, we'll just finish this early. And you know, they didn't respect the Browns and the Browns D. So maybe that's why they did it. I don't know. It, it's difficult. I think it depends on which camp your sort of feet are in, in whether yeah. you kind of go for it. It's kind of that Mike Vrabel kind of thing of going for it, you know, at the end of the Chargers game, for example, mm. in whether you want to go for the win or whether you want to take it to another quarter in overtime. We've seen it a couple of times now, you know, over the season. And there's, it, it goes into other things in your mentality as well. And I'll touch on that later on when I talk about the Thursday night football game. Yeah. Just a little teaser. Mm. Um, so I don't know. It, it's difficult. I, I know I've talked and I've said a lot of words there without actually answering the question. <laughs> you poli- I, think it, politician. I, think it, I think it really comes down to how, how you see the game and how you want to play it and how aggressive you want to be. True. I, I, think, I don't think there's a, a right answer. No, no. Well, yeah. I think if they do kick the field goal, maybe the Browns come out and do something a bit different than maybe what their their drive was. But yeah, just quite an interesting one. Another, the other question I had was Christian McCaffrey. Uh, his second half of his season has been absolutely monstrous. Um, I just wonder why he is so much a second a second half season kind of running back because he struggled again at the start of this season. Didn't you know he still had decent yardage and had the odd touchdown, but compared to you know the. If you split the the season in half, it's it's black and white, and he did the same last season. So uh, coming into this season, he had obviously the the big workload. Um, you, you know, he's made the workhorse, and we all we all kind of wondered how much of the workload he was going to get. Obviously, they signed C.J. Anderson, but he's now obviously gone, and McCaffrey's obviously the the, the main guy there. Um, so I don't know if it's a, a case of him struggling early on with the the, the big workload, but. Because he because he had a similar similar season last season, I'm just wondering as to why he's so, maybe so slow to come off the ground. Yeah, it's an interesting point actually, and the honest answer is I'm not really sure because obviously he's not ever struggled with injury, so it's not as though he's got this nagging injury that's sort of dogging him for the first half of the season before he sort of gets healthy and then explodes. The offense that they play in when it's in full flow and what, how it was at the start of the season was actually really fun to watch as well. They've got quite a lot of creativity. It plays into the hands of the kind of playmakers they've got, like Curtis Samuel and McCaffrey himself, who are kind of like space players, DJ Moore as well. You know, they're not sort of vertical guys who will go up 
and win 50-50, but they're playmakers that you want in space, and that's how they play the offense. And it it did it work really well, but it, it kind of has become a bit sort of McCaffrey-centric at the moment, and yeah. he's reaped the benefits from that. And so I don't know if it's just because they're, they're sort of loading him up. I'm not really sure. Mm. I'm not sure at all. But yeah, it's, it's, it's strange that it's happened two seasons in a row mm. when... They were built a little bit differently last year. Yeah, yeah. About Dunnifer also has last couple of weeks. Cam Newton's been injured, isn't he? A little bit with his shoulder. He's got shoulder injuries. I don't know. I might, might have to go back and see, you know, injury reports and see this season, last season, what the kind of status of Cam Newton was to see whether or not that that kind of correlates to Christian McCaffrey's workload. I have to go back and see that. But talking to Cam Newton, he joins Peyton Manning as uh, the only QBs to throw for three thousand uh, three thousand passing yards in the first eight straight seasons to start a career. So a bit of an accolade there for Mr. Cam Newton. Let's move on to Atlanta at Green Bailey. Yeah, so this kind of just felt like for Atlanta, that's like what could go wrong did go wrong at some points during this. From Matt Ryan fumbling it about 20 yards away, trying to tuck it, uh, to snap it in Mo Sanu as he you know, tried to sort of come on some sort of, um, sort of ghost action behind the line of scrimmage, you know, and then Green Bay recovering it to just Aaron, Wiz- Aaron Rodgers just being a wizard at times, I guess. Um yeah, it just didn't go right for them. Uh, I actually backed them for this one, but it just yeah, just made me look like a. I like I didn't know what I was talking about. To be honest with you, made you look like Mike McCarthy. Yeah, it made me look like I needed to go in Jason Garrett corner. To be honest. <laughs> um, yeah, Atlanta have just been horrible, and this game just seemed to typify it. Um, you know, if if they're that bad, that if the season finished there, they'd actually be picking fourth overall, which obviously seemed crazy, sort of beforehand, uh, before the season. Uh, and it could be it could be really bad news for the team, the, the league as a whole. Obviously, if they get a really, really talented player and they get everyone back as they will do in the off season, then watch out for them maybe in the in the, the season next year. Mm. Um, so yeah, but for Green Bay, it's a meaningless win. Um, so I can't really say much about them. I just want to pose you a question actually on this one. Um, in the sort of wide receiver hierarchy, where do you see Devante Adams? Because he's become the Aaron Rodgers' go-to guy. Mm. I remember a couple of years ago when they had Randall Cobb and Jordy Nelson. Devante Adams was getting the sort of brunt of the fire from Aaron Rodgers and saying he was unreliable and he couldn't catch as, as reliably as he needed to. But now he's he's become a real weapon. He's, he's amongst, I would say, the, the the best in the league. I just wanted to get your views on him. Yeah, I agree. yeah I agree. Going into the season, I really liked Devontae Adams. I think thought he could have been a top three, top five wide receiver for fantasy purposes. But in terms of real life, I think I think he's definitely up there in the upper echelons of you know your new Hopkins. And I don't think he's he's quite. He probably doesn't get the recognition he deserves. I don't know if it's because Green Bay have had a, a bit of a sucky season, and therefore you know they're not really part of many conversations. But yeah, like I say, Devontae Adams is the guy over there. And part of it, I think, as well, is you know you have to think. If Devontae Adams was on another team, you know, if he was at Houston or if he was, at the, you know, wherever these other decent uh, wide receivers are, would he would he do the same, or is it the Aaron Rodgers effect? Quite a lot is obviously made of Aaron Rodgers and how relevant he can make wide receivers and 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 all the rest of it. So it'd be just interesting because we won't know what he's like if he if he ever goes to another team. We can't really answer that question, but certainly in the, the system he's in with Aaron Rodgers, he's he's you know top ten easily, top ten maybe pushing that top five uh, question in terms of talent and. Um, ability at the, at the wide receiver position. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I, I think um, he is definitely in that sort of top group. I would say that he's not in 
the top top group. I don't think he dines at the top table with your you know, your Antonio Browns, your Hopkins, your Julio Jones, mm. your Michael Thomases. I don't think he quite dines at that table, but I think he's in the next table down yeah. with you know your Keenan Allen's, your Mike Evans, Tyreek Hill, Stephen Diggs, Adam Thielen, those kind of players. I think he's in. Yeah. So I think yeah, within that seven to twelve range, six to twelve, I think within that kind of range for me. Yeah, I mean he's seventh. He's seventh on the season in terms of receiving yards with eleven ninety six, and he's got the twelve touchdowns. Well, I think he's actually the wide receiver two on the season in standard scoring. So production's there, and like I say, I think oh, yeah. I think just because Green Bay have had a, a you know, below average season, he's not really as part of that conversation as like Michael Thomas's, Adam Thielen's. I know they've not had a great season either, but uh, he's obviously broken some records this season. Uh, but yeah, I think if 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 Green Bay were you know, winning the division and first round by and all, and all the rest of it, I think you'd, you'd be having a slightly different conversation or, or he, you know, Devontae Adams would be more involved in those conversations. Yeah, there's definitely some sort of, um, when we have these sort of conversations about players being top five, blah, 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 there is a kind of bias towards if they play for a good team. Yeah, and recency bias as well. And recency bias is always a part of it, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Okay, moving on to one of the best games of the weekend. I'm not talking about the Jets and the Bills again. I'm talking about Baltimore Ravens at Kansas City. Overtime needed to separate these two teams. Kansas City taking it by the Harrison Butker field goal. Kansas City improving to 11-2, but Baltimore gave them a good go in this one. And I'll tell you what, Lamar Jackson versus Patrick Mahomes could be a quarterback duel in the AFC for years to come that I'm, I'm more than happy to watch every year. The uh, kind of end, a crazy end to this game, uh, the Tyreek Hill catch on four, I think it was four for nine, uh, to set up the go-ahead touchdown. Uh, Damian Williams, I think it was, with the with the touchdown. But then the ensuing drive afterwards, Lamar Jackson fumbling and Harrison Butker missing uh, field goal in regu- regulation to, to give them the win. So it obviously goes to... Uh, goes to overtime, um, but yeah, it's a bit of a shame really. This game was a bit bit spoiled. The fact that uh, Lamar Jackson had to come out for the last couple of plays, and Lamar Jackson, uh, I got a funny feeling that we're not going to be able to see the best of Lamar Jackson because he's going to he's keep he keeps coming out every game because he's getting hits and he's getting you know the way that he he plays the quarterback position. I'm just just a bit worried that he's not he, the longevity of him or his health is going to is going to curtail his career. Yeah, he might need to put on some weight. Obviously, he's 6'3", so he's quite tall, but it's quite wiry as well. So obviously, he's good for his speed and his agility. But like you say, it's, it's not college football anymore. He's playing against you know big men mm. who are looking to lay some hits on him. So, yeah, he needs to perhaps get in the weight room and just protect himself a little bit more. So we saw this with Robert Griffin III in, in fairly recent history where he's had his career ruined by you know taking a hit on a, on a run. Yeah. Um, you know, and he's in that sort of mould. You can obviously hear that sort of account firsthand as well in the locker room now that they're teammates. Um, so, yeah, he's going to have to sort of alter it. But I think, yeah, like you say, he's, he's not going to go away from that style completely because that's what makes him the playmaker that he is. He's not a pure quarterback in that sense. And like you say, it's what makes him so exciting and what makes this potential battle in the AFC, you know, one to relish for years to come. Hmm. Yeah, and I say anyone that hasn't watched this game yet, go back and watch it because the the that last scoring drive for Kansas City was was a thing of beauty. Uh, fourth down conversion after fourth down conversion after John Brown uh, had a nice touchdown to put Baltimore up within five minutes to go uh, in the game. But yeah, and obviously the highlight as well. Everyone's making everyone's waxing lyrical about Patrick Mahomes' no look no look throw completion. I mean, it's, that's just it's just ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it really is. Yeah, I'm a bit I'm like sick about 
of hearing it. <laughs> 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 no, I don't mind. I don't mean to sound bitter. It was it was it was an amazing pass. It was an amazing game. I just uh, yeah, Baltimore had them had them where they wanted them and they let them go and it would have helped my guys quite a lot if they hung uh, on to that one. Yeah, Pedro Jaime. Obviously, the uh, I know I know when the season's finished, we'll we'll go through division by division. But coming into the season, uh, a bit a big question mark over Kansas City was was the quarterback, and he's he's come up, um, he's coming up with his, his colours uh, as bright as a peacock, uh, shedding his uh, shedding his feathers. He's he's done so so well, and it just again reiterates the fact that you need to sit behind a QB for a year uh, before you you get pushed in like the the rookies have done this year, and it just pay, it pays dividends if you, yeah. if you can wait. If you can, if you can wait, yeah, it, it would it would help everyone. I think, especially when you've got you know a seasoned veteran who's sort of willing to take the time to you know be a good coach to the to the, to the younger teammate. You know, we've seen it with on the opposite team in this game. We've seen it with you know Lamar Jackson, Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco, you know, was by all accounts not really had much to do with Lamar, and you know that can't be good for the franchise or him as a person as a player. Yeah. You know, but then obviously on the flip side, you've got Alex Smith, who's willing to coach him and has wished you know, Patrick Mahomes all the best and set him up really beautifully by the looks of things. Mm. Yeah, t- uh, a couple of injury bits to come out of that game. Tyreek Hill obviously had a bit of an, a heel injury, so uh, keep an eye on him. Obviously, they've got a quick turnaround for Thursday Night Football. That's a mouthwatering clash on Thursday Night Football, which we'll get to a, a bit later on in the podcast. Um, just a couple of stats to come out of this game. It's only the eighth game since the merger between the number one offense, uh, number one scoring offense, and number one scoring defense uh, entering the game at week fourteen or later. So, um, yeah, Kansas City just about coming on top there. Usually, you see it's the the, the defense is coming out on top and neutralizing the offenses, but Kansas City squeaking that one past. Uh, and Travis Kelsey, the first tight end ever with eighty plus receptions and a thousand plus yards uh, in three in three straight seasons, which is quite surprising considering you've got Rob Gronkowski uh, over there in New England and. His 27 touchdowns since 2015 is the most at the tight end position. Good game, that one. Uh, another one which had another exciting finish was the uh, New England Patriots uh, with Miami Miracle Lee. Yeah, wasn't it just? I just, wanna, just wanted to go back ever so slightly just to the, the stat that you pulled out there about the number one offense versus number one defense. Not obviously after week four, uh, 14, sorry. Um, but we've had that twice now between... I think it was Baltimore and the Saints earlier on the season, then Baltimore and the Chiefs now. Mm. And both times the offense has won, like the yeah. number one offense has won. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, so, yeah, it's kind of shows the way that the, the sort of game's going, doesn't it, really? About, you know, um, you know, defense wins championships, all that, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, it, it's becoming sort of a bit more lopsided uh, nowadays, you know, with all the new rule changes, etc. Yeah, absolutely. But we'll, uh, there's there's a couple of uh, defensive uh, games to to get onto a bit later on, just to yeah, show that there, there is a place in in the NFL always for for the uh, for the defense. But I thought, but Baltimore were quite unlucky not to not to win that one. They really should have done. If maybe if they were at home, they would have done. Maybe the uh, Kansas City home home field advantage got them through there. But yeah, the amount, the amount of fourth down conversions as well. But never mind. yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Obviously, you know, I've made my feelings clear on defensive football a little bit. So. Yeah, it's uh, something I don't want to see go out of the game. But yeah, we'll move on anyway. Um, Dolphins at Patriots. No, sorry, the way around. Uh, Patriots at Dolphins, as we say. Miracle in Miami. Um, so we'll start at the end, shall we? 
How did they do it? How did they? How did they do that? I'll tell. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. <laughs> it's made me laugh. I was thinking about the play on the way home from work today, and if you watch Gronkowski, it's almost as if the play before someone's injected some anaesthetic into his right leg, <laughs> and it's not. It's not taken effect until. <laughs> it's not taken effect until that that. Uh, that 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 last play, and he's just forgotten how to use his legs. It's just it's so funny. Well, he's he's like half bionic now, isn't he? So <laughs> maybe maybe he just needs to be oiled up before the play began. Uh, oh, so funny. Yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of something that the the Patriots would would do to other teams. Obviously, Gronk was playing safety for, on that play. Um, you know, Miami. I don't know whether they did it on purpose or. But it's definitely something that you would see New England do. So they obviously started the laterals by by going to his side where he was, mm. and then obviously you know as, as everyone's had a laugh at, you know Kenny Drake sped past Gronk on you know for the score. It, it, I don't know if it was something by design. Like I say, it was it was unbelievable though either way. Um, but I have no idea how it got to that stage. To be honest with you, no. no. The the Pats had two block punts, two huge special teams plays, mm. and making big. Players on special teams is peak Belichick. Yeah. No, whatever they've done, you know, in in their past, the bad juju is just having ways of them when they go to Miami. It's so strong. Yeah. Their record down there is ridiculous. Awful. Yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. You know, and the Pats have now lost to the Lions, the Titans, and the Dolphins, which are all wildly inconsistent teams. Mm. It just, it, I don't know, it just makes you feel like the empire's crumbling a little bit mm. uh, up there in New England. But, you know, on the flip side, shout out to the Dolphins. They've somehow overcome all of this, stayed alive, and they're actually in pretty good position now to make the postseason. Yeah. After the results have gone for them. Yeah. And just to finish this off, I just want to say shout out to Brandon Bolden with two touchdowns in the Brandon Bolden revenge game. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Danny, Danny Amendola as well was the other one, but yeah. obviously he didn't, yeah, didn't, he didn't do it. Yeah, the Brandon Bolden revenge game because he, he scored two touchdowns. Yeah. I think I think I heard in the commentary there that I think he's had he's had three three carries on his, on his second touchdown. He's had three carries all season and he had two touchdowns. It's like uh, Will Fuller last year with receptions. Yeah, yeah, that little weird one that he went through. Uh, also, yeah, interesting stats. First time Tom Brady's been on the losing side where he's thrown 350-plus yards and no touchdowns. But, yeah, like, like I say, they uh, have a terrible time of it down there in Florida. Um, and they're within striking distance now of the of the Houston Texans and and all the rest of them trying to catch them up for the uh, number two seed. So it'd be interesting to see how mm. that, that kind of plays out. But you think uh, they, they kind of had that locked in, but now it's not looking so not looking so rosy. No, it's not. No, and obviously that'll be a big blow. So it's something that they like to have that week off, uh, like any team. Mm. Yep. Uh, moving on to a team that should have a week off in the postseason, New Orleans go over to Tampa Bay and win. Although it wasn't plain sailing, the first uh, first quarter, two Cameron Brait uh, touchdowns looked like it might have been a bit of an upset again. Tampa Bay have a history of uh, defeating New Orleans in the last cu- couple of years. New Orleans only had three points at half time in this one. Uh, it was a fiercely contested game. Tampa Bay defense has uh, found a bit of fire over the last couple of weeks as well. Uh, one highlight was Taysom Hill blocking a punt. So not only can he play quarterback as the third stringer, but he can also block punts, and that pretty much turned the game as well um breeze interception i noticed in this game as well if you if you mirror that next to the one against dallas they had last week it's pretty similar where he's just trying to chuck it away at someone's feet and uh, someone scoops it up and and gets the pick uh, but yeah new orleans had a tough time in this one but question question for you on this one prior you know prior to the season we were saying how stacked the nfc is uh, last couple of weeks dallas have beaten new orleans and chicago which we'll get onto a bit later beat the rams but is it as stacked as we thought it was going into the season or is it just uh, a bit more competitive than we thought 
Um, well, there's been teams that are flat to deceive a little bit. Obviously, the Vikings and the, the Eagles bring to mind with that statement straight away. Mm. So I'll, I'll come on to the Vikings later, but I had them down to be in the NFC Championship game, and they've not really been anywhere near. Obviously, the Eagles have had a lot of injuries. But then on the flip side for that, you've got the Bears, who no one's really expected to be better than they have been. Mm. Um, you've got the Seahawks, who are better than most people expected. Yeah. Uh, and... Well, obviously, I'll probably mention this. I'm ruining my own rundown of the Vikings Seahawks game. But I probably expect now with Seattle's schedule that they'll win 10 games this season, which no one would have thought. Mm. So I, I think it is stacked, but I don't think it's stacked in exactly the way that we expected it to mm. be. Yeah. Yeah, obviously New Orleans with that win, coupled with the Rams' loss, which we'll get to, they are now back in back in the destiny for the number one seed. A couple of stats to come out of this one. Michael Thomas, 27, 27 receptions versus Tampa Bay this season in both games, ties the Jerry Rice record uh, since merger for receptions versus one opponent in a season. That's just crazy, 27 receptions against uh, Tampa Bay this season. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, first time New Orleans have had got back-to-back division t- titles, which is also quite surprising, I thought, uh, and the Saints defence has now allowed twenty less than 20 points in five straight games. So that defence coming to the ball quite nicely as we head into January in the post-season. Mm. Yeah, the, the, the other thing about the... Yeah, it is ridiculous to have 27 receptions against one team in a season, but it is Tampa Bay and their secondary sucks. So. <laughs> <laughs> sucks more than a five-year-old on a lollipop. I think that's the reason. Let's, uh, let's move on to NFC East clash. New York Giants curb stomping the Washington Redskins where Mark Sanchez was benched for, for Joe Johnson, uh, who tore it up a little bit when he when he came on. Um, it's what, that's what happens when you don't have any pressure on you. Uh, but New York Giants winning this one convincingly, even without Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah, I think I think you could put like, me in a quarterback at 40, 40 to zip down and I'd, I'd complete a few passes, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, no, it was an easy win for the Giants. Pretty sweet one for the Giants as well, going to FedEx and, like you say, handing out an absolute beating to their divisional rival. Uh, 40 unanswered points before the Skins even sniffed the red zone. Um, so yeah, not bad at all. Not a bad, not bad day. But yeah, the story was Saquon back, wasn't it? Uh, top-notch outing, 170 yards and touchdown. And, you know, one-handed catch as well in the, the stead of OBJ. Um, you know, someone's got to do it, haven't they, if he's not out there. Um, and they just look like they had the extra gear um, just to go past people. And when he was in the open field, he just burst past Washington defenders just time and again. Mm. Um, on the other side of the ball, um, Alec Ogletree is having a bit of a rare year. Uh, another interception, that's five for the season, which isn't mm. bad for a linebacker. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, one to watch. Um, you know, in his first year in New York after coming over from LA, um, for Washington, this was an absolute disaster. Uh, one little hurt, you know. With their injury list, especially their season's over, um, and they want it over as soon as possible. Yeah, and um, yeah, just a probably a quick hint of uh, someone out of this game, maybe in the stinker section later on for me. Oh, you tease. Um, yeah, I just wanted to mention uh, Saquon Barkley. Obviously, he's had a really, really good season. He is he only needs 247 yards in his last three games to reach 2,000 all-purpose for the season, which is only Eric Eric Dickerson and Edrian James have had more than 2,000 yards from scrimmage as rookies in NFL history. So that will no doubt be near the top of his list to try and accomplish before the season finishes. Uh, yeah, Saquon Barkley, what a season! What seasons he's had. I think he um, he was by far and away the most uh, had the most rushing yards. Uh, on the on the on the ground this this week. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Um. Although Derek Henry as well, maybe. Oh yeah, Derek. Yeah. Of 
course it is. Um, yeah, not really too much else to, to talk about that one. There's much more uh, enticing games to talk about. So let's move on. In, Indianapolis at Houston, uh, big uh, AFC South game. Indianapolis, uh, I wouldn't say caused the upset, but um, ju- judging by you know Houston coming in on a nine-win, a nine-game uh, game win streak. Uh, got off to a good start at Houston Texans. Indianapolis had a rough start. Didn't really get much going uh, until T.Y. Hilton had the bomb uh, down the field. Setting up the Marlon Mack touchdown. Eric Ebron, 12th reception touchdown. Uh, is the most in uh, franchise history. Passes Dallas, Dallas Clark at tight end. Um, <laughs> Eric Ebron, fun stat for you. has had 11 uh, t- receiving touchdowns in four years at Detroit. He's already got 12 in one season at Indianapolis. Yeah, sometimes they just fit, don't they? Mm-hmm. Ebron's been brilliant. Yeah. Um, you know, just as a fit down there. Mm. Andrew Luck's gotten the best out of him. Frank Wright's got the best out of him. You know, he was always an athlete. He was always, you know, a, a highly tight prospect. He got drafted ninth overall. So maybe he was just underutilised and badly utilised in Detroit. I don't know. Mm. Some yeah. players just fit, don't they? Some players just fit nicely in, in different places. And, you know, sometimes a player just needs to move just to start that spark inside him again. Yeah, yeah. No, one, it just seems that no one, no one fits in at the uh, Detroit Lions. But so uh, one, one of uh, stat from this game is fourteen punts in this game, uh, which I, I don't know if that's high or anything. But I just remember looking, scrolling through the, the game there on on the NFL app, or, and just remember just seeing so many punts. Um, I don't know, what, I don't know what the record is. I'll have to, I'll have to go and check that one out. Yeah, so just I've just had just a quick Google actually as you were just speaking, just there. <laughs> Most punts in game. 31 between the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers in 1933. Oh, there you go. So, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Um, so that's not actually very important and was wasted my time trying to find that one. Um, but yeah, let's, let's move on to T.Y. Hilton. He was a game-time decision, uh, obviously matching up with that, that tough Houston defence, but he always goes off against uh, the Houston Texans. Had 12 targets, 9 receptions, 199 yards uh, on the game. No touchdowns, obviously, uh, but a decent game for T.Y. Uh, moving on to Cincinnati at your Chargers. Yeah, so this is this is the reason why when me and Adam were talking on Friday, he was really down. He was thinking that we were going to hand out a beat into them, and this is why I didn't pour it on. We let them hang around. We kept this close, and it should have been outside. With the way that we started our first drive, we just walked down the field with relative ease. The tactic was really obvious as well. He just put everything down the middle. Uh, the field in the air and just picked on the Bengals linebackers with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Makes it in with a little bit of Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson as well. It was a treat. Um, but yeah, it just went away from that in the second half. Just, I don't know why, but we just started to try and take on William Jackson, who is the Bengals' best corner. And especially in third downs, we just threw it at Jackson, which is really stupid. And we just allowed Joe Mixon just to creep into the game and the Bengals just made it really uncomfortable. Um, their receiver, receivers seemed to have really sticky hands as well, which was really frustrating, and made some really tough catches through contact, sometimes really heavy contact as well. And just as, you know, you, you think we've got them third down, they'd make the catch. And they just do that all the time, and it was kind of the opposite for our receivers. So it's a really frustrating game. Um, we got the job done, though, um, you know, keeping them out on a two-point conversion, which is the third time we've said that this season. So it shows we've got some grit, which we'll, uh, which we'll need in January. Um, big shout out though to Michael Badgley who's putting our kicking woes you know it's a, it's a distant memory really thing of the past booted a 59 yarder um, which is a franchise record and that's the reason why we call him the money badger the money badger 
Very good. Very good. I like it. I was trying to think. I was trying to come up with like a, a badge of honor or something, but I couldn't. <laughs> I could, my brain's not working in this time of this time of the evening. Um, any anything else for me for the from takeaway from this game? No, just just like God to get the win. Uh, it was a, it was a game the Chargers like should have won, and they did. And that's that's what we've been doing all season, which is really positive. Obviously, in, in years gone by, we would have lost this game. Mm. Uh, like we would have many times, you know, in other games this season where we've been where we kept it close, but then managed to eke it out. Yeah. Um. It you know it shows that you know to me it shows that they're a good football team mm. and they're together, um, as a group. And yeah, it just only bodes well for the future this season and, and beyond, really. Mm. Yeah, talking of games that the teams should have won, the Denver Broncos should have gone to Santa Clara and beaten the San Francisco 49ers, but shock result over there in the Bay Area. Uh, it's turned out to pretty much just be the George Kittle first half show, to be honest. Uh, nine targets, seven receptions, 210 yards and one touchdown. My God, that's a big boy game. Uh, passes to the San Francisco great tight end Vernon Davis for the most reception yards by a tight end. Uh, for the San Francisco 49ers but the annoying thing was he was only five or eight yards away from Shannon Sharp's receiving record uh, for a tight end 215 or something something like that so that was a really really annoying considering he had 210 yards in the first half so shame on you Kyle Shanahan we'll give you an honourable mention a bit later San Francisco got up early in this one but just and just had enough to get the job done despite a late uh, Denver Broncos comeback. But the San Francisco defense was quite ferocious in this one. Stopped Denver quite a few times on fourth down uh, in the fourth quarter. I think it was twice alone. Uh, and also the other one, uh, and Bradley Chubb passes Von Miller for the most sacks by a Denver rookie with 12. And I think he's only two and a half or two, two or so away from the uh, rookie record. So he'll be circling that one. Uh, and 25 and a half sacks now combined between him and Von Miller are the most uh, the best duo this year combined. Um, but yeah, yeah, Denver Denver taking the loss and pretty much uh, checking themselves out of the playoffs, I, I suppose. Yeah, just as it was starting to look really promising for them as well. Um, yeah, dropping that one just as everyone else in that hunting pack won. Mm. But yeah, from, um, sorry, Denver. Uh, sorry, not Denver. What am I talking about? Nick? No. Oh my God. Bradley Chubb. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> get my words out. Yeah, he's kind of exploded, hasn't he? He, was, he had a bit of a slow start. I think he only had one and a half sacks through like four games and then. Yeah, finds himself, like you say, two, two, two and a half sacks behind the rookie record, which really does propel him into the defensive rookie of the year conversation. Um, even though he's kind of not really, he's kind of really been under the radar in, in his season as a whole. Like, it's the quietest 12 sack season that I can ever remember. Yeah. Or, and then, you know, he's not really been mentioned a great deal in the defensive rookie of the year um, conversation either. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I think again because Denver had a have had a pretty poor season. I think they'll go to Darius Leonard or Leighton Van Der Esch. Derwin James has obviously got a live shout there as well. He's had a, a stellar season. Uh, but yeah, Denver not really not really pulled up many trees. They've got a, a decent schedule to end next two. They've got at home to Cleveland at Oakland. So yeah, it's not it's not beyond the realms of possibility that a, a nine and seven team uh, will get into the playoffs. Maybe even an eight and eight, uh, considering all the teams that are kind of in the hunt are all going to beat each other. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how that plays out, but I'd be surprised. Uh, now Denver needed to win that one, uh, but uh, dropped to six and seven. Yeah, for sure. I just want to just want to make one final little thing on this game. Just want to say shout out to all the Niners fans who are jumping down my throat when um, on Twitter I said that Kittle was the second best tight end in the league at the moment after <laughs> Travis Kelsey, and I got so many people jumping down my throat. I think the thing I put was. Um, 
you know, Travis, Travis Kelsey, that's called Baby Gronk. I referred to, um, in that tweet, I referred to Kittle as Baby Kelsey. <laughs> so many people coming after me for it. Yeah, I love George Kittle. He's great. But, you know, it's, it's a bit too, it's a bit too um, early to anoint him as like, the best tight end in the league. Oh, no, yeah, I would say he's, he's young as well. But, uh, yeah, he'll certainly be sought after in fancy, fancy drafts next year. But, yeah, he's, he's a great player. But, yeah, let, let, let's be honest, people. Come on, Travis Kelsey's been doing it for years. George Kittle's done it, what, his first, was, it, was this his second year, George Kittle? Was it first year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he kind of bubbled a little bit last year, wasn't he? Showed promise, and then he kind of exploded on the scene this year, especially recently as well. Hmm. I think it could be, in, yeah, it could be the number one in, in career, but it's not yet. No, yeah. oh no, yeah, certainly. If you've got him in Dynasty, uh, sit and hold tight and uh, don't even take a King's Ransom for him because he, uh, especially in PPR, he's just going to rack up, rack up the receptions and rack up the yards and the touchdowns, especially with Jimmy G throwing him the ball. Uh, let's move on to the Dallas Cowboys saying bye, bye Eagles, bye in the NFC East clash on <laughs> Sunday Sunday evening, 9.25. What game this was? I mean, and I know you've got the game to, to review, so I'll let you go through it first before I, I go on about it. But my God, Amari Cooper's changed that Dallas, that Dallas team. Yeah, that, that was that's the, basically the theme in my little review here. Um, I actually was going to suggest that you just rename the franchise the Dallas Amari Coopers. <laughs> the Dallas Coopers. Yeah, he's he like I say he's transformed the the offense and and the season really as a whole. Um, as he's as he's come in, he sort of unlocked mm. that in a way. Um, you know, and it was only he was only right after he took over the game. The the winning touchdown was scored uh, by Cooper himself, although rather fortuitously. Yeah. With the way with yeah. the the sort of deflection up in the air, it was a little bit like Keenan Allen against the Steelers actually the other the other week. Mm. Um, this this game was actually quite drab. I don't know if you thought that um, for the first half at least, and then yeah. it really became quite a good game yeah. in the second half. Um, you know, I just want to put this to you. Obviously, you're now coasting towards the playoff spot, um, and fair enough. You know, like I say, Cooper's transformed that offense. It's been a great trade for yourselves. Um, but this can probably mean I don't know if I'm looking a bit too far in the future. This will obviously mean like another year of Jason Garrett. So I just wanted to ask another year. He's there for life. Well, they've already got a bronze statue outside. <laughs> for making the playoffs this year. Oh. Um, so, I mean, maybe that, maybe you're going, oh, that might answer my question, but obviously, looking down the line, are you happy with that? Obviously, now that you're winning games, or do you see it as a bad move long term? Obviously, you've made your thoughts pretty clear throughout this season. Uh, well, everyone everyone knows my, my thoughts on Jason Garrett, but to credit where credit's due, in overtime, fourth and one in field goal range, he decides to go for it because he knows that Philadelphia with the ball could potentially do some damage and and you know maybe go go for the win. So you know he's actually gone aggressive there, and he's I don't know who made that call. Um, I, I very much doubt it'd be Jason Garrett, but who knows? The stranger things have happened. But yeah, to go for it on on you know wherever it was, fourth and one uh, from about twenty yard line to. To not not kick a field goal, and yeah, obviously he got a lot of slack uh, against the Houston when when they punted on fourth and one from like forty odd yards or, or something like that. So give him credit where credit's due. Um, but yeah, Amara Cooper, I mean, first in, since his week nine debut, first in receiving yards, first in receiving touchdowns, sixth in targets, five in receptions, fourteenth uh, in air yards, and first in fantasy points. Just shows you um, how much the they needed. A wide receiver one because coming into the season everyone was saying that you know we've got loads of wide receiver twos wide receiver threes we're just going to spread the ball about and you know make it difficult and just create mismatches but it just shows you that we actually needed a wide receiver one and fair play to Amari Cooper stepping up 
being playing some big boy football and you know, the amount of third down conversions I think we've had from him since he's been there has been has been remarkable. But it's also helped Ezekiel Elliott because the the defenses now have to play as if we're gonna th- we could throw the ball because uh, mm. we're not we're not afraid to anymore. And it's just it's helped uh, you know inadvertently or or maybe on purpose. But we've had to evolve our offense a little bit and and be a bit more modern rather than just be you know, a prehistoric John Fox, Jason Garrett run type offence. Um, but yeah, it's, it's good to see because that defence is playing out of its skin as well. So um, it'd just be interesting to see how how far we get in the playoffs when, you know, when push comes to shove. It's, it's looking likely that we'll get the Seahawks at home. Obviously, but it's early, uh, earlier in the season, so it'd be interesting to see if we can get any revenge on that and what that will be like there. Uh, but it's not always, always nice to host a playoff game. Yeah, yeah, certainly. It's something that now we can both look forward to. Yeah. Um, you know, January football that is not hosting obviously the Chargers won't host yeah. but yeah yeah no it would be, be something to look forward to for sure mm. And obviously, shout out to at uh, MHLA200 on Twitter, who obviously remembered our conversation a couple of weeks ago. I posted if uh, Amari Cooper had a 200-yard receiving game, we would give away. An, <laughs> yeah, I saw that, actually. An Amari Cooper jersey. So that is that will be, uh, spoiler alert, that will be our January jersey giveaway. So keep your eyes peeled for further information on that one. So shout out to you, my friend. Um, well spotted. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 I did kind of forget that I said that. Uh, but then I also <laughs> forgot that he, he had a 200-yard game because they said to me, oh, do you remember our conversation? I was like, what, about Myra Cooper? I was like, yeah, what? He had 200 uh, receiving yards. I was like, oh, crap. Um, but yeah. Did you find Penny Adam at first? Uh, yeah, he did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, against that, that Philly secondary, the, them corners there, they, it was it was prime, it was ripe, and uh, Brandon Cook is going to have a similar week next week as well uh, when the Rams face the Eagles. Uh, but let's move on to uh, the one of the, probably the biggest upset of the week, Pittsburgh falling flat on their face in Oakland. Um, Big Ben now 0-4 in Oakland, which is a, quite a strange one considering uh, how bad Oakland have been over the last couple of years. Uh, the Big Ben injury was is a big talking point in this one. It didn't, he didn't reappear for the, for the second half uh, with a rib injury. Uh, and when he did come out, they kept Josh Dobbs uh, out on the field and Big Ben just decided to come in for the last three drives and stormed them, the, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers down the field each and every time. So not quite sure really what was going on there. Uh, a couple of stats from this one. Derek Carr has no interception in eight straight games, which is beggar's belief, really. Uh, I'm, I'm not quite sure how he's gone and done that. And Juju and Antonio Brown lead the NFL duos in targets, reception yards, and re- re- uh, receiving touchdowns. So the question I have for you, Lee, is the S- Pittsburgh Steelers are 7-5-1. and one. Where, where has it kind of gone all wrong for the Steelers this year? I don't know. Um, I think they've got a tendency to, to play down to the, the level of their opponents quite a lot. It's been a, a thing that's been present under Mike Tomlin for his, maybe not his whole tenure, but certainly for like the vast majority of it. And they just lose games that they shouldn't. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure. They miss, obviously, um, they miss Ryan Chazier as well to be that sort of heartbeat and D as well. And they've just not drafted well for a long time, especially in the secondary. Yeah. So you can pick on their secondary mm. at will, almost. Um, so, you know, it's a combination of all those three things, I think. Uh, although it's difficult to put your finger on and pinpoint exactly what it is. Mm. Um, I think they're in serious danger after missing this game, after losing this game of missing the playoffs altogether. You know? Yeah, I agree. I certainly agree. That was my other question because they're on a three-game losing streak now, losing at Denver, losing it to home to the Chargers, obviously, last week, and now Oakland. And the next two games, New England at home and New Orleans away. So it's not going to get easy. And they could, they could quite easily be... Uh, eight, seven, and one. That's not getting in the playoffs, I don't think. No, I don't think so. Not this, not this year. 
And um, if it did happen to it, um, obviously the, the Chargers are pretty much locked in to the fifth seed, especially if we lose uh, on Thursday. If we lost on Thursday, and I don't know if I'd kind of be torn to kind of want the Ravens to beat us so it knocked the Steelers out of the playoffs. Mm. Because I feel I feel like I'd fear the Steelers more in January than playing the Ravens, which pretty much would be the game. Mm. It's fourth and fifth seeds. Yeah. Which is kind of alien to me to kind of not want the Chargers to win, but thinking of the long game, it might be the better option. Yeah. Yeah, it's difficult when you're torn. Just ask Natalie and Brulia. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah. I, might not even know what that means. No, I know, I know, I know. I'm so my age there. I've just just had my 33rd birthday over the weekend, so yeah, it just shows you what what era I I, I grew up in. But um, yeah, Pittsburgh uh, in real danger there of missing out on the playoffs, and uh, Baltimore certainly have the uh, more favourable schedule. Uh, so we we'll see how that one plays out in the AFC North. Let's move over to. We won't spend too much time on this. So Detroit at Arizona, Lee. Yeah, this is this is the game that I've got the less the least notes from. Uh, this is another game, just like the last one that I went through, that didn't really get started for the second half, and it didn't really get off the ground at all, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, there's no touchdowns in the third quarter. Matt Stafford threw for 101 yards, and the Lions still won pretty easily. Uh, Theo Riddick was the top receiver for Detroit. Jesus. He's a running back, by the way, with 30 yards. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, these teams are bad. Uh, really struggling in this game just to sort of bring out any sort of talking points. Um, just on the punts sort of uh, theme that you sort of mentioned earlier on, there are actually 13 punts in this game, which probably by modern standards is probably quite high. And just going back to what I said earlier, that the Lions beat the Patriots like, earlier on this season. I know, like, yeah, they won this game, but they're still a terrible team. Mm. I don't know how that happened, but yeah, let's move on. That the game just—I I said it on Friday when we were previewing. This game just didn't excite me. I wish we could just skip games like this nowadays. On the you know now into December. Yeah, we can do that. That's not a problem. We've got two. <laughs> no, it, would, it wouldn't be fair to the, the fans of those teams, but they, yeah, I don't have any enthusiasm. Just talk yeah. about these kinds of games in December. No, I've decided we're moving on. Um, <laughs> moving on to. It's not really a surprising result, really. For I know I had the Rams in my, one of my hackers last week in the punting section, but yeah, the Chicago Bears um, pretty much sending a mess, sending a statement uh, to the rest of the league and says we are here and we're here to win the Super Bowl. Uh, Matt Nagy pulling out more tricks than the Paul Daniels twi- in his twilight. Um, the, the last uh, five five touchdowns for the the Bears. Mitch Mitch Trubisky passed to offensive lineman Bradley Sowell, which was obviously in this game where they had um, I think they had a defensive player lined up as running back as well, which is also quite strange. Uh, the last five touchdowns, Mitch, that Mitch Trubisky pass, Tariq Cohen passed to Anthony Miller, defensive lineman Akeem Hicks one yard touchdown run, Chase Daniel passed to Adam Shaheen, and um, safety Eddie Jackson pick six is the five last last five touchdowns for the Bears. Yeah, this is this this is the sort of fun kind of aspect of the Bears that I've been really enjoying and which things are which will only get better. The play that you mentioned um to the offensive lineman was the it was the same play that they it's kind of variation of the same play that Akeem Hicks mm. scored on. Yeah. Uh, the previous week I can't remember who they played. So they obviously sold it on that and then snuck the, the offensive lineman out. It's brilliant play design. Uh, and this is this is what I've been sort of pounding the table for with for the Bears. Like 
Matt Nagy's going to get better. He's obviously, earlier on in the season, struggled at times after the opening game script. But now he seems to be getting it together for like a whole game. Mm-hmm. Plus, he's got that defence as well. Yeah, they're, 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 they've arrived for me. And obviously, I've found the table for them for quite a while. And I didn't think that the Rams would win this. Like, I just thought the Bears would win this. And mm-hmm. uh, I think Adam, the same on Friday. Yeah. Well, so we both called this, and for good reason. I think, yeah, they, they're going to be dangerous moving forward. Yeah, yeah. I say defense was pretty much pretty much on top in this one. Gurley was uh, kept quiet, and the two quarterbacks weren't great. There's more interception in this game than a, yeah. seri- a series of border control. Um, yeah, Chicago coming away with 15, 15 to six win. Uh, not a lot of yardage through the air, uh, mainly all through the ground. Uh, but Chicago you know, grinding out this defense, best in the league. They're quite nasty, and say no one wants to travel. Uh, the number six seed won't want to travel to Soldier Field in January. No, definitely not. Um, yeah, the quarterbacking wasn't great. Uh, quite a lot of overthrows and interceptions. Um, really glad in one of my leagues I had Jared Goff on my bench because he actually scored minus seven points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So Chicago roll on. It'd be interesting to see how the Rams bounce back. I think they'll still pick the. Um, obviously, they'll they'll have a, a, a week one bye in the playoffs. Their their schedule the remaining schedule is quite straightforward, so no really no worries there for them. Uh, let's move on to a team that should have worries. That's the Minnesota Vikings. They went to Seattle and, like we said earlier in the podcast, they struggled over at CenturyLink Field, not scoring until like the final minute of the game, but. Uh, Kirk Cousins quarterback getting paid uh, big boy money to, to play averagely at quarterback. Yeah, definitely. Here's a, here's a stat for you that I'm going to open up with. 0-7. Yep. That's Kirk Cousins' record on Monday Night Football. Yep. That is terrible. That is not a $90 million quarterback. Um, I just hope Minnesota kept the receipt because that is not good enough. Um, <laughs> Dundee Filippo's paid the price, as, as we said earlier on. Um, they've really got into the shell over the last month. Um and you mentioned earlier on that they were, they were shut out. And they should have been shut out because I'd put an asterisk next to that touchdown past Dalvin Cook because Kirk Cousins was miles beyond the line of scrimmage when he threw it. That was an illegal forward pass. So, you know, the Seattle Seahawks, I would say, did shut them out. Um, and that's, yeah, just another indictment on the Vikings and Vikings season. They've been super disappointing, as I said earlier on. And, yeah, back to the drawing board, I think, for them. And we'll see if Mike Zimmer... You know, holds it down and can keep his job because I I follow a couple of people who are Vikings fans um, on Twitter and I've seen a couple of things along the lines of Zimmer treads the line between being an NFL head coach and a defensive coordinator with a red flag. Mm. So it's that's kind of yeah I think that's that's a backhanded compliment if it is one. Yeah, I mean if he gets fired, he could always start. Um... You could always start a picture framing company and call it Zimmer Frame. <laughs> You're gonna go along the line. Yeah. I've, I've missed. I've missed a week off. I've got all these. I've got. I've got far more out. It's like verbal diary. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, why not get them all out there? <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, that uh, that pretty much just wraps us up then for week fourteen. So let's uh, give us some stinkers and stonkers. I'll start off. Uh, my stinker. I've got Jared Goff. Uh, and just the quarterback play, obviously. In the, I didn't really have many uh, stinkers. I don't know, actually know why I've put Jared Goff because there's probably more deserving, uh, more deserving people in this spot. But yeah, Jared Goff obviously not not played well the last couple of games. Really, uh, be interesting to see how he if he can bounce back. Uh, obviously, we're now uh, expectant in, in this offense that he comes out all, all guns blazing. The weapons that he has at his disposal, and obviously you've got Todd Gurley as well. But he can pack, um, 
pass catch out of the backfield. But yeah, Jared Goff, um, last couple of weeks, not, not been great, so he's uh, been my stinker of the week. Who have you got? Uh, so I've gone for the franchise. Um, 38 yards, two interceptions and bench in the second half. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't have really gone much worse for that. Dirty Sanchez. Uh, I, yeah, yeah, exactly. Probably about as, probably about as uh, stupid as that programme. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, very much doubt that we see Mark Sanchez on the NFL field again. Perhaps it's something, something that will pursue maybe in the XFL. Yeah. Mm. He's not good enough to play at this level anymore. Mm. If he was ever to begin with, I guess that's why some Jets fans whether they believe that he was. But yeah, I don't think we'll see him again. No, no, I totally agree there. Okay, moving on to the Stonkers. I've gone. I've got two, George Kittle and Amari Cooper, just for their performances. Uh, Amari Cooper, obviously, since he's joined there in week nine, but George Kittle as well, um, putting up monster numbers despite Nick Mines being the quarterback. They, Those two guys there went the full 10 yards this week. Who have you gone for, your Stonkers? So I've gone back to Thursday night for Derek Henry. Um, kind of in the sort of opposite line of what you've gone for Jared Goff. I think you may have gone for Jared Goff because he's been so disappointing for such a good player. Whereas I've gone for this one because Derek Henry's flat to the eve and it's actually delivered for a change. Yeah. You know, well over 200 yards, stiff arms, left, right and centre, throwing Jags defenders on the floor uh, and four touchdowns. Um, so yeah, took over the game and yeah, deserves the stinker, uh, the stonker, I think, mm-hmm. sorry. Yeah, no, I agree. Not not bad at all. Okay, so that's week 14. So it's time that time of the week where we say eyes down, get your pens out and it's time to test your NFL knowledge. Okay, it's time for everyone's favourite segment of the week. It's the full 10 questions. And today's contestant is a member of the American Football Cast. You can get them at AFC Cast. And today we are represented by Andrew, uh, who's I'm more than delighted to welcome on to to test his NFL knowledge. Andrew, welcome you to the Full 10 Yards podcast. How was your NFL knowledge? How how well are you expecting to do? Uh, Well, I am reputably the rookie of our podcast. Um, so I've not got high bolts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, the score the score you got to beat is eight. Uh, that's a joint leader, so maybe we can uh, we can improve that. Before we get into that, I just want to talk about your your podcast. I think you started a bit earlier in the year, but I see from the from your Twitter handle. Yeah, so we started the first episode came out in May. Um, so yeah, at the Aircast on Twitter uh, or the American Footballcast on Facebook, so you can find us. Um, but yeah, just three guys. Um, we, we work together, so we do most of our recordings in meeting rooms at work, um, which is quite convenient. Um, but yeah, um, come and give us a listen. Uh, it's good fun. Cool. Okay. And uh, so, would you like set of questions A or set of questions B? I will go set A. Set A. Okay, so it's 10 questions. Uh, there's no set time limit, but if you're taking too long on a question, we will move you on. And uh, I, unfortunately, I have to accept your first answer. I won't I'll tell you the answers after each question. We'll get to the end and then do a recap. Does that sound good? Fantastic. Let's go. Okay, for question number one. Which team plays at First Energy Stadium? Oh, I'm... Yeah. <laughs> no worries. What number does Baltimore quarterback Joe Flacco wear? Oh, Flacco, Flacco. Eight, eight I think. Which NFL player has the record for the most rushing touchdowns in a single season? Oh, 
I'm going to take a total guess. Uh, Sanders. Super Bowl L. Uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, Super Bowl L was the number for which Super Bowl? L50. Which, which was... So is it the teams you're looking for or just the number? Uh, just the number. Yeah, so what L? The Roman numeral of L. Yep. Yeah, so 50. Yep. Which former quarterback is currently the general manager of the Denver Broncos? The Denver Broncos is John Elway. Who is the head coach, or current head coach, of the Jacksonville Jaguars? Oh, let's see. I know it. Uh, the ex-Giants guy and... Ah, pass, break, please. <laughs> Which team faced the New England Patriots in last year's International Series game in Mexico? Last year was uh, the Oakland Raiders. How many par- how many yards does a roughing the passer per- penalty incur? Roughing the passer ten. Which team in the AFC East has an aquatic animal in their name? AFC East, uh, the Dolphins. How many? And, uh, final question, question ten. How many career skim- scrimmage yards within three hundred does Le'Veon Bell have? Tuffy to end it. Yeah, that is. Uh, 7,800. Okay, not total a, guess. Not a bad effort. Okay, let's recap from the start. So, the first energy stadium is, of course, where the Cleveland Browns play their games. Uh, Joe Flacco wears number five. Uh, the NFL player with the most rush- rushing touchdowns in a single season is Ladanian Thomason, obviously, of the San Di- former San Diego Charger. Uh, and then you've got a bit, got in a bit of a role here. So Super Bowl uh, L is of course fifty. John Elway is the current manager, general manager of the Denver Broncos. It was Doug Marone who was the Jacksonville Jaguars head coach. Oakland, very good, good answer on this one. Oakland were the team that faced the Patriots in the international series game last year in Mexico. Great answer that one. Uh, I thought that was quite a tough question myself. It is fifteen yards for a roughing the passer penalty. And it is the Miami Dolphins, obviously, of the AFC East with the aquatic animal in their name. And you did very well with the Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell is 7996, so you got within 300 there. So very well done on oh, that wonderful. one. So, yeah, you got you got the tough ones. And then maybe some of the easier ones were, yeah, just, just, just escaped your brain a little bit. But uh, not too bad. So one, two, three, four, five I've got for you. So five out of ten. I will take that. <laughs> yeah, I say if you if you maybe uh, could uh, could recall some of those earlier questions um, and you say you, you nailed the really hard ones because I was reading them out, I was thinking to myself that's actually quite a set a, a tough set of questions I've given you there. Yeah, um, <laughs> and as I said, I'm a rookie, so that's no. that's my excuse. <laughs> no, no, you did no, you did very well indeed. Uh, some of those questions are very difficult. and It's very hard, obviously, when you are on the spot. But Andrew, thank you so much for coming on. And say for those of you that don't aren't aware of the American Football Podcast, you can check them out. On Twitter, the handle is the, at the AF cast. So, again, Andrew, thank you once again for joining us and all the best with your podcast, my friend. Thank you very much for having me and same to you. 
sterling effort there from Andrew from the American Football Podcast. You can get in contact with him at the AF Cast on Twitter. We'll be back with another one of those next week. Really enjoy those uh, those questions. I think I need to start making some more because I'm starting to run out of uh, sets of questions. And let's not forget, Lee, me, me and you need to go head to head in, in maybe in week 17. Yeah, we do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, are, we, are we setting each other's uh, questions or should we get someone else to send us each? I've actually already almost written your questions. Oh, have I've you? been thinking about it. Yeah. All right. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll get on to that this week then. We'll write yours here. Week, week, week 17 is going to be me versus you. Yeah, sounds good. Cool. All right. Um, let's move on to Thursday Night Football, week 15. Uh, Lee, I'll probably let you take the lead on this one as it's uh, one of the biggest games in your calendar, I suppose, being a Chargers fan. Um, yeah. Los Angeles Chargers at Kansas City Chiefs. AFC West title is uh, AFC West is on the line. And if I if I get the right part of my notes, I'll be able to say what I was. Oh, I've just pulled that right up. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. What, yeah. If you yeah, do you want to just preview the game? Take us through what what we what we need to look for. So yeah, really, like you say, the the title's on the line almost. Uh, if the Chiefs win, then it's theirs, and I don't see them coming back from that. And this is why I was so upset that the Ravens couldn't kind of close this out. And um, they've got to go to the Seahawks on Monday after after this. And you know, there's, there's a distinct possibility that the Seahawks could take that game. So it's all on the line. This is why I think it's really big um, on Thursday to take this one if we can. Um, there's a couple of aspects of this. Obviously, the, there's the division just straight up. That's obviously a, a, enough of a sort of incentive. And then there's obviously breaking this hoodoo that the Chiefs have got over. They've they've won nine straight over the Chargers now over a long, long period of time. And just to break that, I think, would be a psychological boost that would finally mean that this team has arrived. Obviously, we've, we've had a couple of signature wins now. We've, we've gone to Central Link Field, we've gone to Heinz Field and won. We've got the kicking wheels out of the way. We've now won close games that we just wouldn't have won. Well, this is the final thing to sort of check off that list of of things to to sort of say that the Chargers have arrived and are, are serious contenders. Do I think we'll do it? I don't actually. <laughs> Strangely enough, um, I don't know. I think they, they they just seem unstoppable on offense, and we probably don't have Melvin Gordon. I really want Melvin to play um, with this title on the line. I think if he's even eighty percent fit, he's got to play because they're a wounded animal at the moment. You know, their rush defense isn't good. They've lost Kareem Hunt. Uh, recently, they've got a, a Tyreek Hill that's struggling. Sammy Watkins isn't going to play. This is the time that we've got to strike when the iron is at its hottest. Mm. And you know we're on a great run, and we need to just win this game. And um, you know if if Melvin's a little bit sore, you know he can rest maybe against Baltimore, or he can rest against Denver afterwards. And then if we win the division, he can take a week off while the wildcard games are being played. I just think we need to win this game. I'm not sure whether we will get over the hump. I don't know whether that's sort of my sort of psychological scarring of all these past yeah. events coming yeah. back to haunt me a little bit. Yeah, Kansas City three and a half point favourites. Dave Andy is fifty two and a half, and and just obviously going back to week one where they faced uh, in LA. Uh, Chiefs winning by by ten thirty eight to twenty eight, but lots changed since then. Obviously, Gordon, um, a, lot, a lot lot of things have changed. Sorry, uh, Kareem Hunt's no longer there. Joey Bosa's back, and Philip Rivers had probably another three kids since week one. So, um, 
Yeah, he, yeah, he's got, he's got, he's got to, he's got to pay for his new kids that are, that are coming on the way. But yeah, a lot of injuries in this one to to take consideration of Gordon uh, Eckler and Tyreek Hill, which we said earlier in the podcast. So it'd be interesting to see uh, who suits up and who doesn't in this one. I think Gordon and Eckler are trending towards not playing. So Justin Jackson uh, has pretty much some big, uh, really big Melvin mm. Gordon boots to fill. Obviously, he didn't. Uh, didn't impress too much uh, last week against the Bengals. Uh, Austin Eckler doing most of the most of the damage there at the running back position. But yeah, big big game. Uh, so I'll, I'll probably see Chiefs taking it because it's home field advantage. Uh, just making them squeeze past through there. And the Chargers uh, coming from the West Coast, travelling for on a short week is never easy. Um, so yeah, the cards are stacked against them. But then again, yeah, they went into Pittsburgh and won, so uh, they might be feeling a bit more invincible than they may may have done. And yeah, they're going to be focused on. On trying to do, on trying to to break that nine-game losing streak against the Chiefs, uh, but it's certainly going to be a good game. Are you, are you off on Friday? Yeah, I'll be staying up to watch this for sure. Nice, nice stuff. Okay, that's Thursday night football done. That's stinkers and stonkers done, and that's all the week fourteen. So all that's left is, of course, the most famous corner in the world, the Jason Garrett corner. <laughs> all you do, Jason Garrett, is clap your hands. All you do, Jason Garrett, is clap your hands. Jerry plays you like a puppet. You really are a muppet. It's fourth and one, don't do it. Just clap your hands. Clap those hands indeed. Loads and loads of contenders this week. So, Lee, I'm going to let you go first. So, yeah, like we said, um, there's quite a few candidates for this one. Uh, but my one is Mike Tomlin, um, just for the reasons that you sort of alluded to before. Um, I think he's kind of mismanaged this Ben injury. Um, if he's healthy enough to come back in, you know, for late in the game, then he's healthy enough to play the whole game. Don't just chuck Joshua Dobbs in there. Mm. I think Tomlin's disrespected the Raiders, and I think they've lost because of it. Mm. Um, I think it's on him. They've come out with some BS excuse about some X-ray not being readable or something today. But if that's <laughs> the case, then you can't throw him in thinking that he's got like broken ribs or something like that. Surely he's. Yeah obviously BS, he obviously knows he's healthy enough and he's just trying to cover up. Yeah. Um, this loss is on Mike, Mike Tomlin and this could mean they miss the playoffs, or like like we said, or at best it could mean that they lose the divisional title to Baltimore, yeah. which they'll, they'll play on the road. Yeah, I mean, I saw a quote as well about Mark Tomlin saying that either, either they were in the rhythm of the game or something, and I'm not quite sure what rhythm of the game he was in, but um, yeah. Um, without, without, <laughs> nearly made a Corona rhythm of the night reference then, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> you were going to do that. <laughs> I thought about it. <laughs> I, 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 thought, I thought about it. Um, but yeah, a couple of before I give mine, a couple of honourable mentions. Kyle Shanahan, like I say, not giving not giving George Kittle the chance to break Shannon Sharp's record for the reception uh, receiving yards in a game. Uh, he's only five yards away, so that that must be gut wrenching for him. Uh, Ron Rivera on that fourth and goal. We we spoke about that earlier in the podcast as well. Maybe he, uh, could have gone for it there. And one that we haven't talked about, Joe Philbin, the uh, Green Bay guy. Uh, used both of his two timeouts within the first minute and 23 seconds of the game, which was just takes quite some doing. Um, <laughs> that was actually yeah. quite that was quite funny. Um, but the one I'm going to give it to, um, he doesn't he wouldn't envisage that he ever makes a trip to the Jason Garrett corner. But uh, Bill Belichick, um, the reason for it is this: is inside two minutes they had a first and goal, and they've just run the ball three times to try and run the clock down rather than actually try and get it in the end zone and win. You know, try and be a bit. You know, actually be aggressive, go for the win and, and take the game away from Miami. But no, they let it run down to, what was it, 20 seconds or something, um, kick the field goal to go up by however many was it, six or something, five or six or something. Um, and then you get their, get their, um, their, their butt cheeks burnt 
and I know I know twenty seconds and sixty nine yards to go down is is more than more than enough. And you, you know, ninety nine times out of hundred you wouldn't do it. But still, don't even just don't even give them that chance to do it. Just go get the touchdown rather than you know three three rushing plays and a, and a field goal, um, which is very un- unlike Bill Belichick. And I think if it wasn't Bill Belichick that done it, maybe if it was say Mike McCarthy or or Ron Rivera or someone someone different in a team that's struggling. Everyone would be all over this, uh, yeah. but the fact that it's Bill Belichick, um, you know, we seem to always give him a pass, and I don't think we should do, to be honest. So, uh, it was was interesting play calling there from my perspective. Mm, yeah, yeah, you're right. Exactly, he would be all over, you know, the hot coals. Um, if yeah, like you say, if it was a lesser coach, but not really made any yeah, any sort of noise about it. Really, it's just sort yeah. of been positive from the Miami point of view. Yeah, well, the the ending's obviously always going to overshadow what what preceded it, uh, and I say that's going to get overshadowed the Bill, the Bill Belichick play call in there prior to two minutes. So I think Lee, that pretty much wraps us up for for the podcast. It does, yeah. Mm. Um, hope you enjoyed. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Everyone out there listening, shout out to Edge and Drake. Uh, I've actually posted your Larry Fitzgerald, Fitzgerald jersey out yesterday, uh, and I'm, if you want to give him a, a follow at Adrian Drake, I think he said he was going to give it away because he's not a. Uh, He's not a, a Cardinals fan, so um, kudos to you, my friends, and shout out to you as well. Don't forget our December competition uh, NFL uh, Christmas jumper. Uh, find that over at Full Ten Yards on Twitter. Uh, on details, how to do that is on our, our pinned tweets. But essentially, all you have to do is record an introduction. A couple of those uh, have come in. So thank you to some of the people that have done that and say there's only a couple. So actually a really good chance to win a Christmas jumper of your NFL team, which is always a good prize. You can, I'd wear it throughout the whole year. It wouldn't have to be just Christmas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, get in, get in, have another, have a go. Obviously you've got quite a long time, quite a long time for entries. It's really simple. As I said on the Friday pod, uh, it is just a few clicks, literally. I know that sounds really cheesy, but it, it really is. And if you don't like it, you can always record it again. Yeah. And, you know, you know, we have a laugh. We have got a wild sense of humour. So, you know, just put whatever you want in there. We, we don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but that's going to wrap it up for today's podcast. Lee, also thank you to you and Adam for stepping in last week. It's a real shame that we couldn't get the Tuesday one out there with Rob. But um, no doubt we will have him on uh, at some point again in the future. Uh, really enjoyed that one. Glad to be back, and we'll speak to you yes. all in. We'll speak to you all in, in a couple of days. Thank you all for listening. So all that's left for me to say is, in the great words of Kevin Cadle, it's bye bye from Lee. See you, everyone. Yeah, see you in a couple of days. And um, yeah, good to have you back, mate. And it's goodbye from me. Thank you all for listening. And um, so, in the great words of Kevin Cadle, it's bye bye for now. Bye bye. for listening to the full 10 yards podcast follow us on facebook or twitter at full 10 yards or email the show full 10 yards at gmail.com